recording. Well, welcome back to our fourth episode, I believe, of the... Uh, fifth. Fifth. I can never keep these things up. Well, we have the tech guy here. As always, I'm your talent. And with me is... Me. Good. Today we're going to at least start off by reviewing The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, both the film and the novel. Tell me about which one we enjoyed more. And then probably moving on to some interesting techie questions, including the killing of the Tesla $35,000 model Tesla... Yeah, S sports one. Yeah, they, which they, one? They've, they've axed it. We'll come. We'll come to that in a little bit. Okay. Don't pay attention to those. Yeah, it's it's a huge, huge <coughs> uh, blow to I think renewable energy. But uh, Tesla Roadster. Oh, it's, it's the thirty-five thousand dollar one. It's a quite cheap one. They were trying to make one that was affordable for um, mass production and mass consumption. Why don't you bring that up, Jamie? Tesla kills car. What have they done? What was, which model is it? Tesla's latest autopilot crash. Oh no. Model X vehicle that crashed and killed Apple engineer Walter. Wait, that's interesting. Okay. <clears throat> it's almost as though they're being set up to fail. Tesla. This idea of renewable energy. Tesla stops making a car. Oh, it's lowest price model X and X cars. I'm guessing I'm being stopped. Tesla to stop making Model S and Model X lowest priced cars. Well, it'll continue to be a elitist brand, I guess. Driving a Tesla. <coughs> Did you know they're making like a Tesla like HGV truck thing? Makes sense, right? You want to be able to appeal to all sorts of different folks. Yeah. I, I Two minute mark. You can get 200 miles on one charge on a Tesla. Oh, cool. Quite good. Regardless, so <coughs> we'll start with Boy in the Striped Pajamas, then I guess we can get to the tech stuff. So, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, we recently completed reading the novel and also completed reading, watching the film. The movie was naff. What do you mean by naff, by the way? Okay, I skipped a bunch of stuff, like the intro for crying out loud. You've got no introduction to I, anybody. I, hold on, hold on. Let's try to look at both of these. Let's look at them both separately and then let's <coughs> compare them. Okay. So, should we start with the film? Yeah. Might as well start with the film. Do you think that the way that it was shot, the way that it was filmed, um, you're saying that it chopped up a lot, it didn't have a big introduction. Is that necessary for film? Yes. It was an hour and a half runtime. Yeah, because so, what you're doing is, here's a guy you don't know. Mm-hmm. They, also, they also cut out a lot <coughs> of interesting um, things. Like they cut out the dinner with Hitler, they cut mm. out with. Um, they did some things that were off stage as well. They had to change the ending, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things that were um, quite, quite different about this. But so, can you give us a, a running synopsis or summary of the film or the, I guess the whole storyline? Um, at the start, Bruno's moving house. Um, from Berlin. Yeah, to from uh, Auschwitz. Auschwitz. So we're moving from Berlin to Auschwitz, and interestingly, in 1942. So. This is obviously during the, the purges. The Holocaust is in full swing. Yep. And Bruno, unbeknownst to him, he's only nine years old. Um, his father is now commandant of Auschwitz. Auschwitz. And is going to oversee the extermination of Jews, of Jews on mass. Okay. Bruno goes to this place in Auschwitz and he befriends... Schmal, which is a Jew. A Jew on the other side of the fence. Who is the boy one. in the striped pajamas. And obviously things ensue. It ends with 
obviously spoiler warning, it ends with Bruno going onto the other side of the fence, both in the novel and in the film. And it is insinuated in the novel that he is gassed with <coughs> Schmoll, and we realize that in the film version. Yeah. But it's a lot about human connection, it's about friendship, it's about the breaking down of what society tells us we have to be like or what we have to act like. And I think that's quite powerful in both film and novel. You preferred the novel though, didn't you? Yeah. <clears throat> For what reason? Well, it just had more in it. Because like, the Harry Potter books, they're exactly the same as the movie, I would say. Mm. This one, the movie was completely different. Was the tone different, or what, what, what are you talking about completely different? Because obviously it's the same... They, they the skipped massive story. parts. Mm -hmm. Based, the story slightly changed. The ending, completely different. Um, what about the ending? I, I thought... I thought... I thought if... I would like to see what they shot, how they shot that ending. Because I, I wonder if they shot an ending that's similar to the book. Because in the, in the, no, in the novel version... They don't know what happened to Bruno. The family doesn't know. <coughs> yeah. The family are just about to move back to Berlin yeah. while the wife, or the, the mother, the sister Gretel, and um, Bruno are about to move back to Berlin, but Bruno decides to go on an adventure or exploring with his friend Schmoll. Yep. And then he climbs under the fence instead of digging a hole like they do in the novel. Yep. And the parents don't find out what happened to him <coughs> until almost a year later. Yeah. So, which is quite <coughs> powerful, the idea of not knowing what happened. Which is, which I thought, I think is quite powerful in the novel because it's a parallel with what happened to a lot of Jewish people mm, yeah. after, after World War II and after the Holocaust. They're pretty much, they're set free from their various camps yep. throughout Poland and Germany and they're left looking <coughs> and searching for loved ones who they don't know what happened to. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's similar to, to Schmoll. Schmoll doesn't know what happened to his, his grandfather. He doesn't know what happened to his father. He knows that his mother was separated from him. But Schmoll as well as a young boy is nine, ten years old. And even though he's more attuned to the reality that's happening in, uh, in the Holocaust and in Auschwitz, in the camp, he, um, he still has a lack of knowledge as well. Mm -hmm. So the fact that that was turned on its head in the novel, and it was the Nazi commandant who didn't know what happened to his son yeah. until a year later when they come across <coughs> his clothes. Yeah. On yeah. The, the next to the fence. Yeah. And he finds that his... And the hole. They see the hole as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's, there's a hole in the, in in the film. There's a hole... In the novel, there's no hole. They just climb over the fence, which I thought was, I thought it was pretty good. I thought the novel version was interesting because you don't know what happened to your child, and it would, it would consume you. Mm -hmm. It would, it would play upon your mind. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the film, uh, in the end of the book as well, he, um, the commandant was executed. What would you think? Oh right, yeah. The soldiers came and took him away, and he didn't care what happened to him anymore. And I'm not sure if that if that was insinuating that Hitler had him executed or whether he was being taken away by allied soldiers who had shut down the camp. But that usually wouldn't have happened because I believe all the Nazis fled the camp and then had to be rounded back up after World War II. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of historical significance here, but mostly, if you could sum it up for us, what's the, what's the message, what's the overall message of both the film and the novel? Mm -hmm. Friendship from two different parts of the planet or the world. Yeah, friendship can form from people from two sides of the fence or from two sides of a divide. Yeah. Also, the film started with that um, with that quote that 
childhood is a time of happiness and enjoyment and brightness before the darkness of reason sets in. Which I, really, I really like that quote because it does, it's something that we don't even realize. Like, obviously, you're an adolescent, but I'm an adult. And you've already come into that world of reason, haven't you? Mm. Things, things have to make sense. It's not just, just sensory. It's not just constant enjoyment. There are... It's been like me since I was seven. <laughs> well, this was a, um, a big problem between you and the other student that we had in class. You thought that Bruno... Well, let's talk about how it falls down a little bit in this day and age. Bruno was too naive or too... You guys kept saying, oh, he's so stupid. He doesn't know he's, he's so stupid. But he isn't, right? We <coughs> talked about it being a time where there's no internet, there's a control of information. He doesn't even know what Jewish people are. Right? The only reason why I knew what Jewish people were when I was that, that age or a little bit younger was because we had a Jewish boy in school and his mother, Mrs. Silver, Silverman, God rest her soul, um, came in and helped us make dreidels out of eight cartons and uh, eat latkes, which are potato pancakes. And I was like, hey, this is great. <laughs> it's a great religion. Feed me all the pancakes, all the potato pancakes I want. Let's play with a dreidel. But you don't understand anything beyond that. Yeah. And kids are so impressionable. Right? You tell them you're a Jew, let's go to temple or let's go to synagogue, and they, they wear it because you put it on. Yeah. You tell them they're a Christian, they have to go to Christianity. You, we're, right now we're in the big celebration of Ramadan, the Islamic calendar. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of people that are just wholeheartedly accepting that religion. And it's mm-hmm. interesting here that religion takes a backseat in the boy in the striped pajamas and the mass murder is done by ideology. Yeah. Whereas historically, it's been <coughs> religions that are responsible for mass death like that. That's the um, one thing I don't get is how do people force people to be religious? Like, how do parents force their kids to be religious? I don't think that you force them to at first. You make it, you normalize it, right? So when I grew up, I grew up in a Catholic household, so there was a crucifix above every door, every major doorway. And you know what a crucifix is, right? It's not a cross. It is a cross, but on it, Jesus is being crucified. Oh. So he's got the head of th- the, the crown of thorns on, there's blood going down his head, okay. there's the, uh, the mark from the spear of destiny that, that they stab him with, and he's essentially in lots and lots of pain, so that's okay. the image. And then you, you're <coughs> taken, to, taken to church by your parents maybe once or twice a week. There's church inside of your school if you go to a religious school. So it's just normalized. Yeah. You know, and there's also, and they're very smart. Like, there's um, altar, altar boy and altar girl positions. There's choir positions. So if you're more involved in the church, if you're more pious, which yeah. is more religious, you know, it, it raises your status. And then when you hit adolescence, usually you start questioning these things. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you're, you've bought it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Where does where does your issue with religion come from, or do you have any religious background? Are your, is your family um, religious at all? No, but um, the only problem I have with religions is okay. It's going to be a bit controversial, but there's no proof that any of this ever happened. It's just a bunch of people's word, right? And their beliefs. And they would they would argue that oh, I look at the book. Look at the Bible or look at the Quran. That's yeah. That's proof of this. It's no, it's not. Down. If somebody's written it down, it, they could have lied. Could have lied, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is my this became my problem <coughs> as well. Um, where is the proof? Yeah. And is it a personal proof? And this is the thing where reason 
gives way to faith, right? We have the scientific method to prove yeah. things, but these people say, oh, it's just my faith and you can't attack my faith. I can quite easily attack your faith, yes. Well, people can, but you, can can't, just... you can't show any, any sort of hate or discrimination for someone based upon their faith. Mm. Whereas if a kid goes walking around and starts telling you about their imaginary friend who lives in the sky, who you know, will let them eat tons of ice cream and pie after they die, well, we're like, okay, you're, you're, you're probably, mm. you know, you're just making it up. But we yeah. actually accept this same message from adults. Yeah. And maybe it's because it has some sort of moral fabric. It teaches us how to treat each other. And maybe it's a hangover or a leftover from another time when we weren't as educated, we weren't as intelligent. Yeah. Well, not as intelligent, pardon me, but not as educated. Now we can know all sorts of stuff. We can mm. fact check things. Yeah, didn't, uh, I think we saw something like... The first parts of a black hole ever, well, recorded. Oh, right, yeah. We, we've observed a black hole. Now. Yeah. We are at that point in our technology. Yeah, we have observed a black hole. And yet, when we have to, when we have to clear up money or we have to fund exploration or yeah. we have to, have to fund um, climate initiatives, you have to go up against it. a lot of people that really believe that this world was made by some sort of deity, some sort of god, yeah. for a particular reason. And that we will all that we all look forward to some sort of heaven or some sort of afterlife, yeah. which kind of cheapens the experience of yeah. regular life and maybe makes it easier for us to. It would be funny it. if anybody who was deeply religious, if they were wrong and they and if it was real, but they were wrong, so they'd be gotten sent to hell or something like that. Oh. Yay! Oh There's right, a, no, you well, I can't. I don't know who did it. It might have been either South Park <laughs> or Monty Python. But they did this thing where it's like, oh, who's uh, essentially all of these religious figures die? They go up to, to heaven to be to see if they can get into yeah. the pearly gates, yeah. and they get all get rejected. Doesn't yeah. matter whether they're Christian, Muslim, Jewish, whatever. Okay. And they're like, well, what is the real? What was the right religion? And they're like, it was the Mormons. The Mormons were the right religion, just one right religion, right? And that seems, and when you're confronted with that idea, mm-hmm. the idea that there's only one way into this paradise, it just seems ridiculous. Hmm. And then, of course, we've got that at the backdrop of like Islamic extremism, Christian extremism, all sorts of religious extremism yeah. around the world. Yeah, uh, um, EDL and Britain First. Well, that's like a yeah, these kind of people that are, but when it comes the ISIS, to ISIS, um, ISIS is interesting because Islamic and religious extremists, they believe that they're they're being martyred. Mm-hmm. So if you get, and this is, oh, I just I was just reading this article about a Swedish woman who uh-huh. converted to Islam. Okay. Married an ISIS fighter, taken okay. her children from Sweden to uh-huh. Iraq. Yes. Was writing in her writes for a the ISIS magazine essentially, <coughs> and was okay. celebrating the fact that her four year old son okay. had been martyred. And by martyred means died for his oh. beliefs. Okay. Four years old, he was crushed by some concrete in in a oh. bombing. Oh. She says that he hey. died, and huh. she's happy. Huh. Because she's nuts. Exactly. It's, it's a type of insanity. Okay, That's I think I know what needs to happen. Swi- okay, is she still a Swiss citizen? Swedish. Uh, Swedish. Is she still a... Oh, this may, are we going to step onto more controversial territory? So is she still a Swedish citizen? She would still be a Swedish citizen, yes. They can summon her back. Summon her back. To her country, yes. They could do. And okay. have to go into some sort of ISIS camp and get her. And that would yeah. be a huge operation. Okay, then they put in a mental institute... Mm. I think that would work. Take your children away from her and things like that. Yeah. But these, we'll are, kids, but these are kids. These are kids growing up in a world where people's heads on spikes and having beheadings go on. These are common things that happen okay. in this world. Uh-huh. But these are common things that happen oh, yeah. in medieval Europe. Mm, yeah. 
it's like if you step into the caliphate, which is ISIS controlled territory, mm -hmm. it's like you turn back the clock five, six hundred years. Oh yeah. But we love this in Europe as well. Yeah. It used to be people used to turn out on mass for beheadings in France. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah. People um, used to love watching torture. The French Revolution is like like how many people watched the Queen get executed? Oh, well, hundreds of thousands probably yeah. in that square. People were loving it. Yeah. So, but people used to people. I think people now regret. Oh, we've proper effed up most sometimes. It's a spectacle. People enjoy it, but like we're talking, you've probably never seen Braveheart because you're quite young. In Braveheart, essentially, they torture to death the um, lead character, played by Mel Gibson, but he's a Scottish rebel in the 13th century. 10th century, I think 13th century. Anyway, they they they, they torture the crap out of him. Okay. And people are loving it. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, rip his guts out, pull it like pull him apart. It's like incredible. They talk about where they put they like <coughs> put his head on a spike on London Bridge so people can walk by. Hey, did you know? Um... People have actually made, it's a bit creepy, but people have made weapons to stab somebody in the stomach about here and then rip their guts out. Yep. It's literally just an, a straight blade, a pointy blade, with hooks running down it. That's horrendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But these are, these are, these are the, the nature of reality. Are we just a violent species? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're going to try it. It's a clever idea. But all throughout history, we've been killing each other. They say it in a film called Platoon. Basically, it looks like an axe, but you stab somebody with it, and it's a bit more pointy at these. Yep. So it inserts, and then when you drag it back out, you're going to cause incredible damage. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that even if you were stabbed, probably in that in those times, you were probably going to die. Yeah, you got an infection. Now you're stabbed, you get to a hospital quick enough, you're completely fine. They have some internal bleeding. Yeah, we've got, well, we talk about stabbings, right? We've got the huge issue of knife crime in all over England at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, there's evidently a lot of, a lot of children yeah. and young people. How, okay, what's the ratio for dying in America to England? How many deaths, for one English death, how many deaths is there in America? I don't know, there's, 60 mil there's like 60 million people in England, there's more than 300, 300 million in America. So yeah. I think it'd have to be five times the amount. Yeah. Of violent crimes or violent Oh, crimes. yeah, yeah. Is that what we're talking about, violent deaths? Uh, and how has America, how has America not gone, oh look, this is a gun, oh look, it's killed somebody. Woo, we're going to ban those now. I don't think that's an easy question to answer, but it's mostly, they say it's mostly due to gun lobbyings and this organization called the NRA, which is the National Rifle Association. And there was a fellow who was named Charlton Heston, and he said, you can have my gun when you pry it for my cold, dead fingers. And there's a great history of being okay. an armed what they should do. citizen in the United States. Okay. They should prohibit the purchase of new guns. And a buyback for the rest? Huh? And a buyback for other no. guns, like they did in Australia? And they should prohibit the purchase of ammo. You can only use a gun purchased buy a licensed gun range or on a, you can on a gun range or during a hunt that makes sense but yes but they have an amendment in their constitution that yes. says that they have the yeah. right to bear arms yeah they have the right to bear arms um have you do you know what arms they had back then ones that took like two minutes yeah, to load and things like that yeah i'm not saying that they should be one able that to was barely accurate sword. now you can okay those ones took two minutes to load and barely shot somebody. You now, can you can kill 300 people in a matter of seconds with an Uzi. That's what they, that's what they did in Las Vegas, wasn't it? That was horrendous. Yeah. 
You could literally just go on a motorcycle, Uzi, 300 people dead. But the thing is, you don't, we don't even talk about those things. Like that, that mass shooting in Las Vegas over a year, almost two years ago now, that's... Sort of forgotten. Yeah, it's completely forgotten yeah. already. But that would be, if that happened here, you know, we would be easily, you know, outlawing guns and things. Yeah. But I'm wondering... Uh, okay. Some people say, you can't change the Constitution. Yes, you can. You've done it more than once. Yeah, if there's more amendments and things like that, of course you can. Mm-hmm. It's just whether... Yeah, but if you want to if you want to see people's real opinions and the and the argument of this, all you gotta do is go onto a, a controversial YouTube video or something and put a comment in there that's pro, you know, or that's against guns and yeah. the pro gun people are gonna come out oh, like yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they love ripping on you and talking about how you you know you need to be able to keep the government in check by having your your weapons and things like that. Have you ever seen a, like a professional professional soldier, a professional army? We just take your stuff. Yeah. They're, they're so much more organized than the average citizen. Yeah. Even if you hold up in your... They know exactly where you're shooting from. They know where you're held yeah. up from. What they do, they go, oh, look, we have our little drone. We go around to your windows. We snoop around to taverns. We go through. We get some soldiers down there. We go around. Or we get some soldiers a mile away. They shoot with the head. Yeah, pretty much. Right? People are far... And if you kill one of their own, they're going to blow you to bits. They will take it to another level. So, so gun crime is, is something. I think crime in general, violence in general, is something that we should be over. Yeah. If somebody wants their fix of violence, all they have to do is plug themselves into some sort of, uh, some sort of video game, right? Yeah. You can go to a gun range. You can shoot. You can go paintballing. Yeah. There's all all sorts of ways of simulating murder. I do martial arts. Yeah. I love doing martial arts. I sim. We we call it simulating murder. Like it's funny because last night, I was. Uh, Rolling, I was rolling, we call it rolling, like sparring with a, with a guy who's massive. He's, like, he's <laughs> six foot five. And I got him in this choke and I held on and held on and held on. And then he just, he was huge. Like, I thought he should have been getting out. And then he just, he went to tap and his hand just went limp and I let him go. <clears throat> and he was unconscious on the ground. Yeah. But if I would not have let him go, that would be killing him. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm feeding my primal desire to test myself and to be in a combat situation yeah. without ever having to murder somebody. Mm. Because the problem with, and this is a problem the world over, once you kill someone, you've now created a whole host of energy, enemies, right? Because mm-hmm. if you and I were in a fight, Felix, and you killed me, well, my kids are gonna avenge me, or my wife is gonna avenge me, or my, my, my father, my brother, somebody's coming after you because you came after me. And that's the problem with terrorism, that's the problem with war. Mm. You create more enemies every time you kill one. Mm, yeah. Because nobody turns... You kill some of these ISIS fighters and stuff like that. Their kids don't turn around and go, Oh, wow, well, yeah, Daddy was uh, obviously an Islamic extremist. And, you know, his belief system wasn't in line with global peace. No. They turn around they're like, Well, Daddy taught me that these people are evil. They prove they're evil by bombing our house and killing our, killing our father. When we grow up, let's take up arms and let's go and attack the West or attack this... this oh, North Korea is bad at this as well. Have you, uh, have you seen their propaganda videos translated? <laughs> it is hilarious. <laughs> they, so, live, they live in a fantasy world. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Kim Jong, uh, Kim Jong, who's Kim, Kim Jong? Kim Jong, Kim Jong is, is. Yeah, who's his predecessor? Kim Jong Il. Kim Jong Il. Apparently, according to them, he made the burger. Definitely false. Um, he was. He made. He has his own fashion statement. Nope. Um, FIFA. I didn't even know. North Korea existed until about a year and a half ago. That's, well, yeah, because it's such a... Well, it seems to be fairly insignificant. Other and than to be fair, they can't even use Google. 
Another they have thing. to use. They have their own countrywide intranet. I like this story about North Korea because it's so telling. Do you know why golf is outlawed in North Korea? Why? Trump plays it. No, because Kim Jong Il, so Kim Jong Un's father, uh-huh. once played a round of golf, uh-huh. got eighteen holes in one in a row. Okay, so he played a game of golf. He got all holes in one and figured that it was beneath the North Korean people to play a game so easy. He didn't get 18 so It's impossible. No one's... I don't, what are you playing? Bloody crazy golf or something. Right, yeah, it must have huh. crazy golf. Uh, here's, here's the goal. Here's the ball. All he has to do is hit it to the green. And I'm sure one of his minions grabs it and pops it in the ball and says, yeah. look at what you did, boss. You're amazing. Yeah. But this is the problem. We, we've got these autocrats and, and... Oh, yeah. And they just seem to... It seems like we can't topple this kind of... Imagine if North Korea did actually... Or the Kim Jong-un actually saw this. That'd be really funny. It would be fun. Do you think he can access? Do you think he can access on his personal computer the outside internet? I think he can access whatever he wants. Mm. That's the problem. That's the best when you're the, the supreme leader of a country. Mm. Yeah. And that's what he is. Literally he's a dictator. Leader. Yeah, but he's called the supreme leader, so he gets everything he wants. Yeah. He's probably woken up this morning with, uh, you know, coffee and cake in bed. Um, uh, I'm not cigar, sure if he has a wife. He cigar. Like, he does actually. He has a wife. He has a wife. kid. He oh, has a cigar. Sure. Most likely he has a cigar. He does like smoking and he does like whiskey. Really? Yeah, he imports over a billion dollars a year worth of whiskey, cigarette, cigars and a bit, bit, a bit more. Crazy. And to think that people are like always on the brink of starvation. Yeah. And he's there drowning himself in booze. So it's interesting that the, um, that the problems, it, to bring it full circle actually, to bring it back to the boy in the striped pajamas, the... The problems that existed there still exist today, yeah. just in different pockets of the world. Mm. It's amazing that with all this technology, all this knowledge, everything that we have, that we haven't been able to move beyond this zealotry, this blind faith mm. in dictators or religions or yeah. morality. Because I'm like you, I want, I want it to be proved. I want science to push the world forward. Yeah. Because we have a, a an earth that we know is finite, yeah. that we know could be destroyed, and we have. Uh, endless amount of space to explore. Uh, well, it's going to die eventually in a couple of billion years. I think it's billions and billions, isn't yeah. it? Like hundreds and hundreds of billions. We'd probably be Maybe controlling multiverses by then. Well, the sun might die in a couple of billion years. Yeah, Some sun, people think it's like in 200 die. years the sun's going to die. Shut up! All we need is a big solar flare. <sighs> Strip everything away. Yeah. But the ozone layer can... It's hard to heal the ozone layer. I'm not sure if we can manually heal it yet. But there is ways to do it. Mm. But it does take quite a long time to heal itself, like naturally. Crazy. Yeah. Well, we got deep down the rabbit hole today. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, 27 minutes, bloody hell. Excellent. Well, this has been another episode of uh, Tech Guy and the Talent. Had a great time. Chat I don't you. really think he's the talent. I'm definitely the talent. Wow. Or, or I'm, am I the tech guy? Yeah. Well, no, I'm both. You're both? Yeah. You can't be both. Are you sure? So what am I? The guy in the corner. Ah, uh, no. So it's tech guy, talent, the the talented tech guy, and the guy in the corner. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Watch okay. out for our rebranding coming next week. And no, as always, kidding. I've been your I've been your host, Steve Brigman. I'm uh, me. And me. Thank you. I'm me.